What's up, y'all? Have a seat. It's your favorite hour of the week with the Facts Over Axe crew. We got the master of the mix and master, Josh Guyton, in the building. That is I. We got the man with the plan, the money man, Chris Allen, in the building. I'm here today, ready for another fun day. And then you got the little old MC, me, Kenton Gibbs. And let me start this thing off with two words that no Clippers fan want to hear right now. What's popping? <laughs> nah, but seriously. Uh, seriously, sports is back. Sports is back. And I talked about it before we got going today. The best thing that I missed about sports that I didn't know I missed was the ridiculous stories. And we're going to get to that a little later. But, fellas, can y'all give me y'all first impressions of the bubbles? We've been in them for a few days now. We've seen the NBA have a few scrimmages. WNBA had a few games. What are what are y'all first thoughts on the bubble? Okay, okay. By, so by the way, by the way, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you here, but the NBA NBA bubble reported no positive COVID tests. Uh, their last round of testing, which I believe the results came back uh, last Wednesday. All right, go ahead. All right. Okay, so y'all know I'm Mister Cancel Sports on this podcast. Don't don't even start the season. Don't try to continue the season. Don't try to save the season. Did it? I must admit. This is going over a lot smoother than I anticipated. Oh my goodness! I, yes. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, things should go over smoothly when it's a multi-billion-dollar corporation in in charge of things. But after seeing Matisse Tybul's videos as far as how things are in the bubble, and seeing how they're running operations, and coming mm-hmm. back that the that the COVID tests were negative, you know, it, you see it—they're only really interacting with each other. Shout um, out to T. Stiebel, by the way. That his yeah. vlog is, is is groundbreaking. Hey. <laughs> it's an, it's hey, an amazing hey. vlog. Hey, it hey, hey, hey. I, I, I can't wait to see you the next episode. I'm not hey, gonna lie to you. Low key, a better editor than a Hooper. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no shot. Hey, hey, relax, stray. relax, no relax. We giving them kudos no right now. Don't no break stray. the man down. Like, hey, <laughs> yeah, first, no, I was just about to say, Tybel catching the first stray of the day. I like it. <laughs> no strays, but look, um, it, it's a matter of. Things are going over smoothly. It's no COVID test coming back negative, and you see it. They're only really ad- interacting with each other. Mm-hmm. The only things that raise a red flag for me is staff. We still don't know the situation of staff members because even everybody is wearing a mask. Everybody's wearing a mask. Everybody's pretty distant. But we still don't know the, the what the staff is doing. We don't know how often the staff is getting tested. No, no. Thibault Di- said it in vlog three, I think, and it was he ain't said exactly what they're doing, but he said that the media, if they want to, if they're gonna come to the bubble, they gotta have show that they have took a test recently within like twelve or 4, twelve to twenty four hours. And he said, like, as far as like coaching staff, they get the same treatment as the players and stuff like right, that. Right, right. I, I get the coaching staff. I'm saying as far as like, I don't think media should be there at all, bro. Just watching how we watching not. it. And then, I mean, know? I mean, media yeah. media is part of the game. I get it, but I media. I mean, if media could show you that they got a negative test, do a Zoom call. I mean, yeah, the I feel it. Interview, do That's a Zoom call. I feel it, but 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 at the same time, you don't get the same effect though. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I get it, but my thing is, I don't really know as the staff as far as um the ones administering the tests, the ones that's giving out what they need, the ones bringing deliveries to them, the ones that's uh, in charge of the boats when, you know, like Matisse and them was going out there fishing. We I'm pretty sure they're getting tested. Yeah, yeah. Man. We just don't know the frequency or what their restrictions are. Are they staying in a bubble tour? Are they only allowed to interact? So that's the one thing that raises a concern. 
And I just want to see uh, where this goes over a more consistent basis. I know that the first game is starting uh, in four days from recording this podcast. So things are looking way better than I expected. I'm excited to see the season finish. But we got to remember, they're going to be running this until fall. We got a couple of months of this. So it's just a matter of we're going to talk about it later. Players venturing out of the bubble to do other things. And this is only the first week that the bubble is in place. So what are what are we going to see out of players two weeks in, a month in, a month and a half in? So it's just a matter of I want to see consistency, but from what we've seen so far, I'm supremely confident in, in the process they've been able to put in place. Gotcha, gotcha. Chris, what you thinking? Man, I love it. I love it. From a sports drought, the sp- I, I didn't realize that it could be a worse drought than anything else but, <laughs> but sports drought is the worst drought man like there really is nothing else on my agenda being like and it used to be homework but now that i graduated it's really like nothing else for me to look forward to at the end of the day even during the school year when i was in school it was literally just do my work so i can watch basketball until i fall asleep or watch anything until i fall asleep so i don't I didn't know a sports drought could be so so devastating. But I am liking what I'm seeing by the NBA for sure. Now, I have looked at baseball. I don't see baseball really sustaining because it's just so many variables in baseball. And they're actually at the stadiums and stuff that they were like, you know, the, the, the team stadiums. So right. they're not right. they're not isolated right. from other people. And they're not like, you know, they're, they're traveling back and forth. It looks like they just live in a normal life. They just, you know, I, I don't see that sustaining very long because, and then you got a rule where baseball players can't spit. Being a former baseball player, throwing a mouth full of seeds in your mouth is just tradition. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what they're doing, how to cope with that. I don't know if I could play without sunflower seeds right now, but I guess if I had to, I would, but. It's been it's been a it's been definitely a change. I hope this doesn't last forever because like one of my bucket list goals was to go to all thirty NBA uh, stadiums. So I do hope this this blows over and we can go back to normal basketball, normal normal crowds. But I like what the NBA is doing so far. Shout out Matisse Thibault one more time for his vlog and Javale McGee got a nice one too, y'all. Y'all should go check out his too. I, I, he's I ain't peeped it yet, but yeah, he's a little goofy. But I mean, it's Javale McGee, which you would like. But it's he got a nice yeah. little work. Yeah, I mean, Javale McGee. Why you get? Javale McGee has been no. He's notorious for uh, being on Shaq and the Fool. So you know, we can't. It's not too much that you you expect on the seriousness tip from him. But uh, yeah, my my first impression of the bubble. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I cannot be as optimistic as y'all. I am already seeing things that have me concerned going forward. Oh, you I'm took just, Josh's job, huh? You okay, took Josh's let's job. Let's hear it. I'm, a ju- I'm sorry, but I have to say it, right? So uh, the, the actual on-court performances, there have been a lot of very random fluky injuries that, you know, injuries are part of the game, whatever, whatever. Um, shout out to Tibbs getting a job this week. We're gonna talk about that later. But no, seriously. Oh. Uh there's there's been there's been a lot of injuries that I, I don't think uh would have happened if they would have had properly put the time together and put the thought together of how do we do this thing and ensure player safety not just from a coronavirus aspect but also from a uh, health aspect. 
from a physical health as far as, you know, soft tissue injuries and things of that sort. Right. Um, so there's that. And also, like we said last week, players breaking the bubble for um, Uber Eats or breaking the bubble for whatever different things. And Alex the punishment Caruso is real severe, system. though. I, and I get that. I get that the punishment is a thing. I really do. But at the same time, I'm not sold on they're going to maintain this on the large yeah. scale. I can't see this for a sustained amount of. That's what I'm saying. I can't see this sustained for a a, a very long amount of time. That's what like I mean. Eventually, you'd be like just itching to go spend some money, man, or just go do something. It, Oh, trust me, we've seen it already. But other than other than the on court from the NBA, um, the the actual product looks good. The actual product looks looks good. I watched a few WNBA games today, and first of all, shout out to whoever designed those orange hoodies. They're blowing up on social media. Everybody wants to get one. Um, shout out to how hard they've been taking their stance on on social issues and all that. Uh, but woof, I. I really, I really enjoyed the games I saw today. I watched uh, the Lynx and the the Minnesota Lynx and the Connecticut Sun earlier today. It was a great game, and um, I really I I like everything that's going on. But like I said, not from the women at all. I don't have any concerns from the women as far as breaking the bubble. But the men, I'm I'm not sold because it's like. On the movies, when you see a dam and it has that one little leak, <laughs> normally, normally that one little leak comes after the dam been running for years. The NBA right. been running this dam for what a week, two weeks, and we got leaks already. So, you know, I'm a little concerned on that front. Uh, but other than that, you know, it's I think everything else is cool. Uh, a lot of people are, you know, somehow, once again, we see the Black Lives Matter as a controversial statement because it's written on the uh, courts and all that. What do y'all think about the actual aesthetic of the courts? Uh, The courts crispy to me. Yeah. Like, I, I like the courts. Like, they, they, they did their thing with the courts. And then I like how they got the courts in the ballrooms or the, the hotels. Like, I didn't even think that was possible, to be honest with you, just, to, just based off of the, the dimensions of most of the ballrooms and hotels. But... Like I, I could see it now. Like that—that that was a smart idea. The NBA once again. Yeah. They cost a lot of money, and I thought they was going cheap, but that cost—that had to have cost some coin. Yeah, I mean, as far mm-hmm. as um the, the stadiums and the fans not being, I was I was hugely concerned about that because we've seen a couple sports. We've seen soccer. I've seen wrestling without the fans. And honestly, it's weird. And basketball is something that you rely on the crowd a lot for. Like, as, as a as a fan of basketball, I love seeing teams just play good basketball. But at the same time, if you're watching a lot of sports, fans play a big part in that. But honestly, as I was watching and the aesthetic of the court and the little, like, noises that we did here, I honestly didn't notice much. Like, the only difference I'll probably notice is if it's a close game situation and somebody shut the crowd up or somebody hit a buzzer beater and the crowd go nuts. Like, that's really all I'm missing. But besides yeah, that, man, it, was, it was a regular basketball game. You hear, the, you hear the sneakers. You hear the, the yeah. players a little bit. Fake yeah, players. Was, you hear the announcers. It's solid. It was me. honestly no difference for me. Right, right. Now, I think that the uh, courts were cool. I think it looks like uh, looks a lot like um, the NCAA tournament courts and all that. And those have always been a, a source of joy for me, just seeing those. Um, you know, I, I think that they're always, I, 
me personally, I've always enjoyed how they look. So I, I don't have any complaints. I think if I had to rank what the NBA was doing uh, aesthetically right now and the WNBA as well, aesthetically, 10 out of 10. Safety precautions, for me, 8 out of 10. But, you know, there, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of... Actually, no, safety precautions, 7. 7 out of 10. 7, 6 and a half, 7. Um, but, yeah, there's... There's a reason that I gave a seven and a half because of stories like the one that we talked about earlier that we alluded to with the what's popping Lou Williams <laughs> six man out here like Lou will, you know, Lou. this guy, Hey, listen, he showed us why he got two girls. Okay. He showed us what, well, by the way, by the way, I don't think he got two no more. I don't think he Hey, listen, more power to him. By the way, sports drought ain't the worst drought, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to keep the show PG. We're going to keep it rolling. But uh, <laughs> Lou Williams was excused uh, from the NBA bubble for attending a viewing of Paul G. Williams, uh, which ended around 6 p.m. Thursday. And so what he did was he went from the bubble to the viewing and went from the viewing to Magic City. And I know we joked about James Harden needing them Pantheon lamb chops, but apparently Lou Will is the true king of the strip club food because, you know, <laughs> he said uh, he said that he had to go on and, and go see, go get his uh, food from the strip club. And uh, Jack Harlow, the rapper, tweeted a picture out with him. I'm sorry, put the picture on his Instagram story. And he said it was from a long time ago. He just missed Lou. However, Lou was wearing the uh, NBA-issued mask, which he had to be given uh, less than oh. two weeks ago. You know. Oh. And uh, because of that, he's been given 10 days of quarantine. So, fellas, what are we thinking about Lou Will and his um, Magic City escapades? All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to just be devil advocate right before Josh say something because I know he's going to bully him. So... <laughs> I'm just going to, at least he had on a mask. At least he had on a mask. Uh, we've seen instances like Buddy Hill, Trey Young, go somewhere and do some things and not have on a mask at all. So at least Brother Man had a mask on. All right, Josh. Lord not, Jesus, I'm going to go after you. I'm gonna, all right, now, I'm, now I'm, look, uh, I'm not blaming a grown man for trying to get some uh, some entertainment. We don't know what he was going through, you know, as far as home goes and, you know, the reason he needed to be excused. Maybe he just needed to let off some steam. Maybe he needed to cope with something. So that was his way of coping. Hey, what's popping? <laughs> now, I mean, like at this, like I said, I'm not going to blame him. But at the same time, you just got to be more responsible because you don't know what you can bring into the bubble. Now, like Gibbs was talking about with sustainability and like I was talking about, I like the bubble now. But we don't know what's going to happen in a month because even though the season isn't starting right now, teams are going to have days off in between games. Absolutely. And I, I don't think Lou Williams is the only person that's going to need to fulfill some kind of urge or see some kind of entertainment, especially when you're grown man and you being in this bubble for months. So, mm -hmm. so that's my only concern is that that I don't have a problem with Lou Will doing what he did, but at the same time, it's not an ice. It's not going to be an isolated incident, and that's when it becomes a problem. Because if you got one player doing it, next thing you know, we could have five players putting themselves in a compromising situation, and you got ten players, and you we already know how fast this thing can spread. 
So it's just a matter of is this an isolated incident or not, which I think it's not. So, okay, now what I'm going to say, just to piggyback off what you said, we've said in earlier pods that we don't know the like repercussions or something like that if somebody gets it. Now we get to see the repercussions if you break the rules of the bubble. So Lou Will, the first player to sadly to break the rules of the true, bubble, true. like to go, go figure out what's popping down at Magic City. So we get to see that for once. So I'm actually kind of happy this happened, and I'm also kind of sad this happened because now it's gonna be. What if they have a have, them, have a chaperone when they leave the bubble? Like, not nah, you know, Lou Will might have just opened the door for something for the NBA to do that. You know, Adam Silver is very. Very petty. Very he, he, hey man, I I don't want to use that word to describe uh Sil- He's we, pro player. He's pro player, but he will he will stoop to your level. If you're on if he will stoop to your level for sure. If he we, gives you trust and you David break his Stern trust. For how long, bro? I can't slander out Evan Silver in no way. Yeah, yeah. I mean right. I, I love him. I love him, but at the same time, he will stoop to the player's level. Like he, he if you if yeah. he gives you the opportunity and you blow it, he, it's over with. Like you burn the bridge with <laughs> true, him. True, true. So I do think this is good and bad for the league because now a player's gonna be like, okay, you see what they did, Louis? That ain't happening to me. I I'm not gonna even lead a bubble. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell moms and the rest of them, figure it out. But another good thing that happened, Zion Williamson has returned back to the bubble. He did what he had to do, came back, he's in quarantine and he should be cleared to play. And the next, no, he should be cleared to play by Tuesday. They said he got to sit for four days. So right. he did yeah. what he was supposed to do when he left the bubble. Right. And another mm-hmm. player, Patrick Beverly and uh, Montrez Harrell, they should be arriving back in the bubble on Monday, they say. so. I mean, I don't think uh, wherever Lou Will was at, I don't think Zion allowed inside, bro. Oh, my God, uh, yeah. he might not be. <laughs> but, you know what, though? but you know what, though? Let's be honest with ourselves. It's Zion Williams. Yeah. I, I mean, facts, come facts. on now. Come on now. This ain't this ain't, a, this ain't a, a random nobody. This ain't 18-year-old us trying to get in. You know what I mean? This is Zion Williams. If he go in there. Zion and want to go to Magic City, he getting in Magic City. <laughs> all he got to do is, like, do the little pretend windmill that everybody do when you walk through a low doorway. And they're going to be like, oh, I know you. You good. You good. Come on in here. Uh no, nah, but um I you know it's it really blows me because when we talked about who was gonna break the bubble, we kept talking about the age of the NBA and these are young guys and young guys and young Lou Will is an established veteran. Right. Lou Will, he came Lou Will straight, 30, 32 or thirty three. He, he's thirty three. He's thirty three. Lou Will came out straight out of high school and he's, he went to South Gwinnett High School. You done been to Magic City before, big dog. You were <laughs> like, why you, what's going on? I know this ain't your first trip. And also, why you gonna go with Jack Harlow? He's new to fame. He don't know how to do things on the low-key tip. Man, that is some groupie stuff he did. You agree, Giz? He's a groupie for absolutely. that, man. Oh, you, I absolutely oh, you, agree. You know, you Listen. know Will Will not supposed to be nowhere right now. You gonna post a picture. Exactly. And that's what I mean by this is I'm I'm shocked by this and it's showing me that we were wrong. We assumed it was gonna be the young guys. This is a problem for everybody. <laughs> if if a guy like Lou Will, who was was in Georgia for some time, who played his high school ball there, went to the league, you know, did his thing, all that good stuff, you've had money for a while. You've been there. You've made it rain, hurricane, flood, snow, whatever you wanna say. You've done that in Magic City and you had to go 
Ooh, hey, Bubble, you looking shaky, baby. You looking this, shaky. This is, if anybody listening that think we just being old or just hating or anything like that, just think of the consequences, bro. If one of these tests come back positive while people are playing, even though they're doing rapid testing, rapid testing, there's no way of knowing exactly when they contracted it, bro. So it brings a possibility of the season being canceled again. And everybody is playing every other day when the season starts up, correct? Right. Correct. So so even if uh so Christoph Porzingis got a day uh quarantine for missing a test. But I wanna know how quick the results are coming in because we could have a situation like baseball had with Soto where a guy takes a test, he goes out, does some or he goes out, does something reckless, comes back, takes a test. He takes the test, and when he takes the test, or he quarantines for a day or two, and then he gets back with his team, the results aren't back yet. And then when the results do get back, he's already been with his team, who has now played a game, possibly two. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, do we? Right. So do we, we don't even. You know, even if somebody get tested and they come back negative, and then they they asymptomatic or symptoms aren't showing, or they ain't got they don't have the antibodies yet to come back with a positive test, and they go play a game. They just sweated on ten other men, bro. Exactly. So. Exactly. Done. Done. Called out every rotation, every switch, every go over, go. Well, well. The the good news is though. The good news is it will only be an on court thing because I don't know if y'all know this, but y'all see how they got them assigned seats in the uh, the uh, benches. They they got the players sitting, I think, two seats apart, and they got assigned seats where they they have to sit the same seat every time, which yeah. doesn't mean much because I mean obviously they're gonna you know shoot around and stuff like that, but. Still, I, I feel like the NBA is doing any way possible that if somebody gets it, it's going to limit the spread of it. Like, it's only a couple people who test positive versus 40 people in the league testing positive like before. So, they're, they're, they're I doing understand. A great, they're doing a great job with what they're doing now at containing this. We just know that we don't have a controlled way of stopping this spread. That's all I'm saying. One, exactly. one bad move. Because this it's human error involved here. It's human error involved. So, one bad move, we can see. A chain of events that could have us sitting here watching, <laughs> watching 2002 Bobby Sura highlights because we desperate for some oh, hoops, no. bro. Oh no, man! I wow. can't watch another old game, man. I, I, you know this whole lockdown of sports. I studied KG, man. KG was a monster. I don't care what nobody say KG yeah, was a yeah. problem. Just go off of the We need to have a uh, we need to have an episode that's discussing uh, Minnesota. Possibly having the worst management in the history of basketball, but that's that's for another day. Man, well, you have a player well, of that talent, dude. Well, if we're gonna talk about bad management in basketball, Jimmy Dolan, come on down. <laughs> because we alluded oh, to this before God. as well, but we gotta talk about it. We gotta talk about it. We gotta talk about it. Y'all boy, Tom Thibodeau, Tim, Timmy. Has got him a five-year contract with the New York Knicks. Who now, in a sober mind gives Tibbs a five-year deal after he's what been if, fired so many times? What does Stephen A. say about uh, what does Stephen A. say about uh, about um, Phil Jackson? His first move as GM was to sign Lamar Odom, <laughs> who was on crack. <laughs> Listen, somebody here, somebody in this situation got to be on that on something because I get it. I understand that 
all of his former players speak highly of him. And Derrick Rose says that's the first coach I ever felt like genuinely loved me as a person. But he didn't love your knees, Derrick. He had you out there playing <laughs> 42 minutes a game. Derrick, well, Derrick Rose not going to be able to walk after 50. I, I'm not wishing that on him, but I'm just saying, like, just because of tears. Like, because I of just, so, so tell me this. So tell me this. What, is there any redeeming quality? Because I know where all three of us stand, so I ain't got to say, well, well, what do we think about the signing? But tell me, is there a redeeming quality about this about this pickup for the Knicks? Um, <laughs> I'm really thinking, bro. Um, the the only, literally, the only positive that I could see out of this is, regardless of how we feel about him as a coach and his rotations and his ability to win games, whether or whether or not he has talent, he is knowledgeable about basketball. So He's this does Bill Belichick of basketball. So I get it. That this does present the opportunity for the litany of young players that the Knicks have to at least absorb some information, regardless of what comes out of this experience, they'll get a lot of situations where they were to pick his brain and absorb basketball and see the mistakes that he makes on and off the floor and use those minutes because they're going to play 50 minutes a game. It's only 48 in a basketball game, but they're going to play 50 minutes. It, it, it gets those opportunities for them to learn how to play better when they're tired in game situations as opposed to them, you know, practicing it gives them an opportunity to it gives them an opportunity to learn limits as far as they go it gives them an opportunity to, to literally just pick a basketball mind and find things out whether it's through information that they absorb mentally or through or through physical experiences on a basketball floor so that's good for these young players but at the same time that's not the cornerstone that you want to set in place if you want to build a winning culture around these players which i mean it's the Knicks or not trying to build a winning culture anyway. But this is not how you started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chris, talk to me. Anything that you see? What's the silver lining? Tell me the silver lining. All right, I'm about to go into a, a, a mode that I probably haven't been on yet. I, this is my Debbie Downer mode. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> Chris, going to go into sicko mode on this. Go ahead. Let us know. Number one. I'm just going to ask y'all a series of questions. I just want y'all to ask, answer them. What has Tibbs done winning winning wise? Nathan. Uh, I mean, he like, won, what's the farthest what's the farthest he's been? As a head coach, uh the with the Bulls, I believe he made the conference semis. The conference I believe semis. he made it once. Yeah, uh, at, with the with the Celtics uh, as an assistant, he won a championship. So that don't. Like, I ain't trying to hear that. I'm okay. Not. Well, well, I'm I'm trying to help him out. I'm trying to find a silver lining. No, we want to no. be fair and balanced. All right. We try. Okay. Hey, Gibbs. You know who else helped them win? The Celtics. The equipment manager got a ring when the Celtics won the championship. So you, you can have the assistant coach job. You can have it. Okay. Hey, I, I, you got points. Go ahead, big time. Go ahead. Okay. Access to okay. all the questions you need. Okay. Okay. What, how long has Tibbs been on the team? Like, what's the longest stream he's been on the team? The longest uh, stream he's as, been on the team. As a head coach, I want to say four years. I want to say I, I might be wrong in saying that, but I want to say four years. Let's let's go check and see if I'm correct here. He has done head coaching for. Yep, he was with the Bulls for six. I'm sorry, five. He was with the Bulls for five. Okay. Uh, let me ask you another question again. So what's the farthest that Tibbs has won? 
Uh, he he lost in oh he actually got to the conference finals in 2010-2011 Okay, he lost so to the Heat he in lost the conference it. finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. All right. What did Tibbs do in his last head coaching job? Um, in Minnesota, he made the playoffs there for the first time in a, a very long time. Uh, yeah, he, he did that. He also hosted what was, a civil what, war what, between players. What, what was his roster? <laughs> I mean, he did have uh, Andrew Wiggins and Cat and Jimmy Butler, and you know he had some talent. He had some players. Sorry, he had he had some ball players. He has was Ricky Rubio on those teams. Yeah, no, Jeff Teague and Ricky Rubio were on those teams. Yeah. Jeff Teague and Ricky Rubio. Well, he had some ball players. I, I give him that. Uh, okay. Where is that team now? <laughs> oh well, they were a dumpster fire when he got fired. So you know, I mean. It's, you know they they, they are uh, they're they're a bad team. They're not in the bubble. I can tell you that much. They're not in the bubble. Where are those players now? <laughs> you know, I, a lot of the players are going other places. Cat's um, still there, so there's that. So so you had Jimmy Butler who who's leading the Miami Heat as a as a, a two or three seed in the East. Rubio mm-hmm. has Phoenix in the bubble. Nobody thought Phoenix would be in the bubble until they Absolutely got Rubio. <laughs> Wiggins is on the Warriors, and the Warriors looking like they're making a comeback now. <laughs> oh, the Warriors going to make a comeback regardless. That's another topic. <laughs> okay, but I'm just saying they added Andrew Wiggins, and it, it didn't look like a bad move. Yeah, they added yeah, Andrew Wiggins. No, That's not, what at I'm all. not at all. And Tibbs just got a job <laughs> that David Fiesdale got fired from. <laughs> <laughs> because he had his best player was Julius Randle. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. Hey, listen. Come on, man. Come on. I, you know. <laughs> you know. I feel for Coach Fisdale. I really do. I really do. Cause I that, guess they didn't check the data. They didn't check the data. They did not check the data at all. They did not take the data on that. They just was like, "Hey, listen." We're going to do what we got to do, and we're going to get our boy Tibbs in here because, you know, I'm, I'm going to let you go ahead, Chris. I'm going to let you finish up because I, like, y'all think y'all don't, I, like I said, I'm trying to be balanced here, but Tibbs is Tibbs is Tibbs. So go ahead, Chris. My point in saying all that was, where did, I mean, I, okay, to touch on Gibbs' point, I'm going to give Tibbs some, some kudos. He does have a lot of knowledge from the game. You can't be in this industry that long and not have any knowledge. And Absolutely. he he is well with developing talent because he did, in a way, help Jimmy Butler develop and help Derrick Rose develop into good players. But come on, man. Come on. The Knicks literally haven't had a healthy roster in five years. And you think bringing somebody that has been known for tearing down rosters going to clear any of that up? I, I'm going to be... I'm going to just be quite honest with you. Uh, Thibodeau is, for me, when I look at him in his totality, he is a high-risk, high-reward guy that, I mean, let's be honest. When things are going good and when everybody's fresh, he's good. Getting Joe Kim Noah to finish top five in MVP voting, that's scary. That's a that's a scary coach there. I mean, let's be honest, right? When he came out, of I, 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 I'm giving. I'm saying he knows the game, and I, I know what he's capable of. 
But he's torn down so many franchises and rosters. It's just like and that the Knicks- and, and this is and, and this is the back end of that for me because that for me when I look at him and I say, well, okay, I can have a guy that I believe he's. They got a lot of young players. I'm sure he's going to develop one or two of them. Is he going to ruin their knees in the process? Is he going to have the players that he developed having consistent calf and ankle injuries in the process? Is R.J. Barrett going to be walking like an 80-year-old at the age of 26? You know, like, is that... These are legitimate questions that need to be raised because the injury bug has followed Tibbs wherever he's gone. Like, the fact that everybody knows Jimmy Butler for his hard work. That's what that's his calling card. Jimmy Butler's calling card is I put my body under more stress for longer amounts of time than many people think is humanly possible. And that's how I keep up with guys who are more talented than me, who are taller than me, who can shoot the ball better than me. That's Jimmy Butler's calling card. He couldn't finish the season under you. Like that to me is very scary. But the silver lining is he's a player development guy and they've got a lot of good young guys. I think uh, that Mitchell Robinson, um, if they, if they, it, it, I hope I'm not getting that young man's name right. Yeah, okay. Mitchell Robinson, I believe, I believe that he is a, a quality big, uh, much in the, the the vein of a DeAndre Jordan, Andre Drummond, uh, rim runner, block shots, all that type deal. But uh, mm, it, I, yeah, yeah, I'm, but that that's also a dying big. But, but it, it is, it is, but it still has a purpose. He, he's young. I think Mitchell Robinson's game is, is a lot more uh, it, it, it expansive than a drumming type. I think he's still mm. got a lot of room. He, he's shown he's shown glimpses that has to, some skill to stretch out and hit a little mid. Like he's super athletic, but he's shown he's shown slight glimpses that he can that he can do more than just be DeAndre Jordan, Andre Drummond. So I and, I, I, got, I, I got faith that. in him. I got faith in him. And I get that. I get that. I get that we could like look at Mitchell Robinson and say, "Hey, if if Tibbs develops him properly, this could be he could be something serious going forward." Great, good, cool. But I just don't understand the move of picking up a guy. The injuries have followed him. Injuries have followed him. And I, I understand that you want to develop your young guys, but at some point in time, you got to understand there's a, a risk factor that comes with Tibbs. That, and I hope. And here's so here's the hope for me. If he is, and don't get me wrong, I'm not a Knicks fan at all, never have been, never will be. But if he has, with time, with being, with being away from the head coaching manager for a little while, just softened his stance on players' minutes, on players' workloads, the data is there. It's there to tell him, hey, they like I said, people have referenced him as being as meticulous and detail oriented as a Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick believes in the numbers. He's a numbers guy. So Bill Belichick wins, why, and he wins <laughs> because he because Bill Belichick does things with in his way with his meticulousness that coincides with the data. Tibbs is ignoring the data on what your rest versus play ratio needs to be to ensure that your players make it through the season. To ensure that you don't ruin their bodies before they even scratch the surface of their potential, you know. So, hopefully, my my silver lining takeaway from Tibbs getting the job is if he has softened up his stance on minutes, I think they'll be just fine. 
I don't understand how he got a job before Joe Dumars did. But, you know, that's another story for another time. We, we're we not going to talk about it. I mean, you know, Joe Dumars only he was a GM for a team that went to, what, five, six straight conference uh, finals. But, you know, we're not going to talk about that. It's fine. More than that. Um, oh, more than that. So, you eight, know, I mean, either way, either way, Joe D. Was, drafted Darko Milicic should not be a career ender. Plenty of GMs have drafted a bust. Plenty okay, of great man. GMs okay, have drafted okay. a bust. Okay, let's address this now while it's here, man. We got enough time in the pod. And hindsight is twenty twenty, bro. I'm a firm believer that drafting Darko was not a bad pick. Chris Bosh Chris Chris Bosh would have been a much better pick. But going by the trend of the NBA and how. European players that perform well overseas, aka Dirk, aka Yao Ming, he was an exceptional player overseas. If you show Okay, him- I get that, I get that, I get that. But back then, Josh, overseas wasn't overseas like it is now. Like overseas now, you see somebody dominate, like Luca, for example. I, I, I he dominated this ger- generation of overseas at 16 years old. I'm, I'm so aware. I'm he aware. was somebody you can you can gamble on. But at the Pistons State, they didn't need nobody to come in and be a game changer. But Darko was, I mean, you had Ben Wallace and you had Rasheed in the fold. So. But I say it's not a bad pick because they honestly didn't need anyone at all because nobody exactly, was drafted. Exactly. They, yeah. So they didn't need anybody, is what I'm saying. So therefore, you, you, I guess you, I mean, when well, not that I think about it, you can't take a gamble when you don't yeah, really need it. Th- think about it. Think about it in this point of view. One, they can afford to take a gamble. Two, you have to think of the trend that was going on in the NBA. I just talked about last week that I believe that Shaq, Dirk, and Steph are the most influential players of our generation. Here's why. The trend of Shaq just stopped. They drafted uh, Kwame Brown as number one pick in 2001, and he pretty much like solidified in the league. Like, all right, we can't get another Shaq. We need to move on to something else. And that's when you start to see players like Dirk start to dominate. And you more and more scouts were going overseas to scout these players. And then 2002, you strike gold with Yao Ming. Yao Ming's first couple of seasons were exceptional, in my opinion. So you're going into those next few years, and you got a lot of scouts that you're sending overseas. And if you look at Dirk, if you look at uh, Darko's stats and the tapes from what he did overseas, it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, but I mean, you can look at Syracuse and see what Melo did. He didn't need Melo. Exactly. I'm a firm believer that I don't think the Pistons reached the amount of success that they did with Melo on the team. You're taking minutes away from Tayshon, and you maybe don't draft for Rasheed. He might have been much better in the long run, but I don't think they would have won a championship. So here's, here's my rebuttal to that. When you look at why the Pistons could not get over the hump going forward after winning the one, when it became time, when it became winning time, everybody knows that in the NBA, great offense trumps great defense. Right. When you have a bucket getter, a solidified bucket getter, whether that bucket getter is a starter or a bench or a rotation player, whatever the well, not a rotation player. That your bucket getter got to be your sixth or seventh player at latest. But still. When you when there was times where the Pistons just needed a solidified bucket, not like it, I need you to take over and go get me 30. I just need you to, it's the fourth quarter, I need seven points out of you this quarter. I need us to know that we can ISO you and you're going to go three for five or seven points or, or two for five with six or seven points. The Pistons did not have that player. 
And at a certain point in the playoffs, there's only so many sets you can run. There's right. only so much action you can run to create that mid-range. That's why Larry Brown, God bless the man. He's an exceptional coach, and he's had success almost everywhere he's been for that reason. When he when he comes, his system comes with him. Who he is as a coach, as a man, comes with him. But the system that he runs and the meticulousness of how he runs his offensive sets comes with him. In college at SMU, it's been dominant. It's been extremely good. It's put SMU basketball in the stratosphere that they – I don't think they've been in, in, in ever, possibly. I didn't even know what Southern Methodist was before Larry Brown got there. Exactly. So that that's that, but, the, but there just needs to be a bucket getter sometimes. Sometimes if everything goes away and you got to have – one guy that you could just say, are you a bucket? Look, y- y- y'all y'all are right. I'm only putting it into this context. Their possible picks, in my opinion, for what they needed as a team would have either been Bosch or Carmelo. Yeah, for sure. That, yeah, yeah. And that's why I referenced Carmelo because yeah. you already referenced Bosch. The, the path of the NBA at that time, I can't imagine the scenario in which they get another championship. All I'm all I'm saying is this: if they have, if they have Carmelo Anthony, and Carmelo Anthony does what he does, right? He just he's a I, he was early in his career a guy that you can get a ball to an yep. ISO. He's gonna go get you some buckets. If they had him mixed in with what that team was, some people say that they may not win it. But keep, keep, I'm keep not in mind. that camp. One, you don't have Tayshawn's defense on the floor because Carmelo is taking minutes from Tayshawn. I mean, and 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 no, no, because they they will be playing a lot of minutes together as well. They will be playing a lot of minutes together. Not in that NBA. You're not putting Carmelo I, or Tayshawn at the at the four spot in 2003-2004. But Carmelo played a lot of four but, in Denver. He played a lot of four. But in wait a minute, the way that Tayshawn, I mean, Denver at that time was pretty small. They had lineups right. where Nene was the center and he was. A very undersized center for that time. That was the what they ran. The Pistons were a defensive team. They wasn't putting Tayshawn or Melo at the four. And then if you don't put them at the four, you don't necessarily know if the Pistons are still trading for Rasheed. So in a lot of those scenarios, you got Melo on the floor with Mehmet Okor. I mean, you got Melo at the three with Mehmet Okor at the four. I don't think that but, sounds like winning basketball. But hear me out here. If you put Melo on the floor and you kick Tayshawn to the two because defensively, he when he was in his prime, defensively, Tayshawn Prince could keep up with a, a majority of twos. Other yeah. than the twos where you're just like, he going to get his. Yeah. We're going to live with that. Tayshawn would have been fine checking him. I just think that the the way, like we like we said, hindsight is always twenty twenty, And I agree that at that time, that pick was not that bad to where Joe D should not, to, should not get a job the way he is. Right. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. With what his resume is, that one pick should not be held against him in that way. Because if that's the case, anybody who was ever who was ever sniffing the the seventy sixers organization when they were doing quote unquote the process yep. should never be allowed near a basketball arena again. They in, should be arrested. In my honest opinion, twenty twenty is hindsight. The only bad pick I can think of in my entire like memory as a basketball fan is Anthony Bennett. Anthony Bennett was such a bad pick. I'm glad that you said that. He was such a bad pick. (laughs) Every other pick 
at the time, you were like, hmm, maybe this could work out, and it ended up not working out because hindsight is twenty twenty. Greg Oden wasn't a bad Absolutely. pick. Sam Bowie Absolutely. wasn't a bad pick. I, but, you know, Greg Oden, that Greg Oden pick hurt my heart because he was supposed to be great, but them knees just... It, it, it's a, it's a lot of things that his, his circle, including himself didn't tell teams because they knew he was going number one. If they knew the things now that they knew then, like, he didn't want to play basketball because he wanted to be a dentist. His what? legs were two different sizes. So if, if it's somebody that got legs that's two different lengths, they literally can't run up and down the court. Literally. Well, my thing is, my thing is, y'all, the X factor with the Pistons is, y'all forget. If Melo playing under Chauncey Billups, you, I don't think we see the same Melo. Because I don't know if y'all true, remember, Chauncey true. was such a leader on that court that Melo might have looked at Chauncey like, okay, that's the 1A. Maybe I shouldn't play like this. Maybe I should feed off of what Chauncey's doing. Because even the small time they played together in Denver, Melo played a lot better with Chauncey on the floor. Absolutely. All right, we're going to end this soon. But here's my final point. Regardless if the Pistons draft Darko, Melo, or Bosch, I think their window for success is the same amount of time. Hmm, they lost to San Antonio in seven the year after with one of those other players they possibly could have beat San Antonio. That's still in their window of success. The year after that, Miami with D. Wade and Shaq was there. They, they weren't going to beat that team. The year after that, LeBron was on a mission. You wasn't going to beat LeBron that year. The year after that... Boston came in 09. I mean, but uh, hold on, hold on. And I, I'm a Brown fan, but the problem with Brown was Brown was on the tear, but the Pistons didn't have no bucket. Back to Gibbsport, they didn't have no bucket. They Brown also was didn't going have bucket. defense. They also didn't have defense. Brown, yeah, Brown was going bucket for bucket for bucket. Yeah, yeah Brown was going bucket for bucket for bucket. They didn't have nobody out there to go get no bucket for bucket with Brown. Yeah, yeah actually, Ben was Ben was in Chicago at that time, right? Wait, in 08? Oh, yeah. He yeah, Ben been left in 06. Yeah. You're right. You're and right. then 09 You're and 010, right. you got the Lakers, and regardless of what happens during that time, you can't convince me. Oh, you can't convince me that Carmelo well, nah. and Chris Bosh is staying. They still going to Miami or New York. They're not staying in Detroit. And we're from Detroit, well, and we know they're not staying in Detroit. Here's, here's my thing about this. When I look at their window of success and all that, this is a, a thing of, like, a very big, like, after each year that you go further and further away, you're depending on certain things not changing or certain things staying the same or certain draft picks right. happening how they happen. And I honestly, for me, if they draft uh, Carmelo, right, they don't go out and make moves in free agency like they're trying to go get another guy who can get a bucket. True. Like that. True. The Ben Gordon pickup doesn't happen now because you don't need him. What do you need Ben Gordon for if you have, you know, if you have Carmelo and I I want to say Rip wasn't gone by it. No, Rip was gone when Ben Gordon got. But long story short, the further you get away from it, the further you're like, there are, you know, you got to get on your Dr. Strange. There are a million, 64,000. Like, that's just <laughs> how that works. But for me, I believe that, I mean, at the end of the day, regardless of, Team chemistry is a thing, and that's important, and that needs to be factored into this. But there's no world in which you can tell me a Hall of Famer doesn't extend the team's winning, uh, the team's True. winning True. games beyond what Darko Milicic did. You know, like that's hard to to fathom. Yeah. 
Now, to, to officially close this segment, we got to remember that this division was brought up amongst us from Tom Thibodeau. So we already know what he's going to do in New York. But oh, the, the, the NBA, the, at the end of the day, when you got something that involves a bunch of billionaires, the NBA is a boys club. And the fact Absolutely. that one pick is stopping Dumars from getting another job, even though he has a ring. But Thibodeau has one, show you, shows you that he's a boys club and he's bumping elbows with somebody. He's going to keep a job. Who? And, 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 and one he's guy. One of those guys. Oh, go ahead, Chris. One guy, I don't know why he doesn't get recognition. Mark Jackson. Like, nobody hey, wants man. Mark Jackson hey, as a everybody. coach. Nah, Mark Jackson done pissed off the wrong people. And this yeah. is well documented. Mark Jackson has pissed off the wrong people. He just has. I mean, but, 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 but the job he does with teams is just like. Why, I, if you, I'm, a I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing. Listen, I'm not disagreeing with you. If I was rebuilding the franchise and I did not have to take into consideration, like, oh, like the call has been put out. If I didn't have to take that into consideration, Mark Jackson would for sure be a candidate for me. He, what he did with those Warriors before they got fully rolling, him getting them to where they were, him understanding Steph has ankle, we can't, he has his ankle thing going on, we can't give him 30 minutes tonight. We can't do that. It's not feasible. Him understanding, hey, it's either going to be Steph or Monte, let Monte go. Him understanding those, because people can look back and in hindsight say, oh, the Warriors made the right call, but at the time, Everybody wasn't happy with that. It's, it's literally documented that Mark Jackson told other executives in the league that he had the two best shooters in NBA history, and they audibly laughed at him. And that's and that's what I'm saying. So there's to, to say that Mark Jackson wasn't vital in to beat the Warriors dynasty. It's a joke and a half. It's a joke and a half. And Mark Jackson definitely does. It's it's clear, like Josh said, NBA Boys Club. Yeah. He pissed off the wrong people in the boys club. He'll probably never work again in the NBA. Like, he'll keep his job with ESPN, but he'll never get a head coaching job again. I don't think, at least. He'll get a head coaching job again, even though he's proven much more than these other coach. A lot of other coaches who are going to get jobs. He's proven more. If he's won more. He's developed better than a lot of other coaches, but he's not going to get the love. If he did get a job, I know I know he'd knock it out the park. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I, for sure. I, I was waiting to like like catch that reference. Like I said, oh, yeah, the, the LeBron, when he said that he uh, <laughs> it. Listen, he was talking about softball. Okay? I, know, I know, I know. He was talking about softball. But no, that's, you know, I just I just think that it's very, it's a, it's a lazy pickup by the Knicks for me. But that's another. Speaking of lazy, Washington. Foot, the Washington football team. I'm sorry, I can't just say Washington football team. The Washington football team. That's the official team name. And I am, I'm very good friends with a lot of um, people who do the content creation and the branding for sports teams and all that. And they're like, hey, there wasn't enough time to do a full rebrand. <laughs> but, like, just talk to me. Do we think this was lazy? Do we think this was, like, a rush job? Or was this a situation of, like, hey, it was the best they could do with the time they were given. What What are we thinking? Well, Josh, let me go first. Let me go, go ahead. Go ahead. Do your thing. Because I got a joke. I got a joke. So, <laughs> so I, I, I'm about to just my joke is just this is how the media went. What can we call the Washington football team? Ah, oh, I don't know, man. Wait, what you just call them? The Washington football team. <laughs> <laughs> let's run with that. What, what's the problem? Nobody else calls their team the football team. So let's just say Washington football team. We don't step on no toes. 
Your children will have to deal with great secondhand embarrassment from the dad jokes. Hey, Proceed. <laughs> Proceed. <laughs> that, 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 I mean, that was the meaning. That literally was the meaning. That, that, like, I, hey, that you're not meaning. wrong. You're not. Josh, was this enough? You're the graphic designer. You do it. Was this enough time for a rebrand? Was it? Um, was it? One, when you're dealing with. The, the, the season starts soon if they are doing a season. The season starts soon. Everybody is well aware of the situation of what's going on. So if they don't see any schedule or anything, or if it's just a very bland schedule before the actual season rolls out, one, people will understand. Two, right. when you have a billion-dollar corporation with probably 100 graphic designers on staff, it's definitely enough time to do a full rebrand. Yeah. Three, yeah. We need some kind of money because I believe we were calling this team the Washington football team for weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> so we need some money. And four, hey. I think this just brews from they're having a hard time brainstorming or coming up with something that works. Because, like I said last week, everything that we threw out there, everything that we've seen on social media, in my opinion... You can't come up with a name that's not trash. Like, every new sports team, like, the sports teams that we adore, it's only a few that are actually good and others that we like because they've built a brand and they've become synonymous with with winning or success or they've become so ingrained in our brain that we enjoy them. The Los Angeles Lakers, it's a trash name, and that's my favorite team of all time. But it's it a trash Is it now? It, is it not? But it, but it came from Minnesota. It, it came from Minnesota. Right. I, I understand. The Minnesota Lakers. I, so I understand that's... the land of a thousand lakes, but still, is even if they were in Minnesota, it's still a garbage name. What's a Laker? That you know, I mean, uh, Portrait. They just announced the well, Seattle Kraken. You're you're you're, you're, you're a uh, Pelicans fan now, so. Hey man, hey man, look, look. everybody Woo! go through hard times, man. You done had a time where you and your old lady weren't getting along. <laughs> That'll be y'all. Not to be together. Not hey, listen, <laughs> listen. I I'm gonna just say this, right? For me personally, looking at these team names, or looking at, I agree with Josh. Most of these teams' team names are not sexy. They're not cute. Yeah. They're not fire. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a team that just go with something. Go with anything. If it's relevant to the area, cool, great. That's whatever. If it's not, that's fine too. But something is better than nothing. And the Washington football team is literally nothing. Like, it, all you have to do, literally, here's here's how bad sports team names are. The floor is don't be racist. That's the floor. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's that's the floor. The, you can name your team the Giants. The Giants are in multiple sports. You got San Francisco and New York. That's not, you know what I mean? Like, the, at the end of the day, the, what what does that team name, you know, these team names don't really, they don't really do much. So, for me, Washington could have easily just, hey, Washington Red Hawks, we don't got to take the red out. You can still throw the yellow accents in there. You can still do da 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. Or you could just go all base red with black or, or red. You know, like, that's... Right, right. A lot of these things we got a problem with, they could get away with. Like, for example, the Indians. Nobody's... Got, I mean, I complain about the Indians, but not a lot of people are because they just changed it from, uh, what, Chief Wahoo to a C, and, and it works for them. Exactly. The Redskins exactly. is a whole other problem. You have to get rid of Redskins. But I honestly think this just comes out of, like, 
they don't want to replace Redskins with a trash name. Redskins has become synonymous with football, and everything I've seen suggested or thrown out or rebrand ideas or even the discussion we had last week, the names is trash. And that's okay. That's okay. It's what, true. Does, true Seattle, yeah. does Seattle have Kraken? Are Kraken now just trash chilling names. around Seattle? God, the, are the gods just releasing Krakens all over <laughs> Seattle now? No, it's just a name. They said, hey, we need a team name. We're going to mull over thousands of team names, and this is the one we came up with. There are, they're making this thing much more complicated than it has to be, in my opinion. They can make it the Washington Shields, for all I care. And nobody would, nobody would be like, the Shields? What an awful name. <laughs> like, people would just be like, damn, the name sucks. And everybody would get over it. it. I hate it here. I'm just saying, you know, when you when you get the sometimes we uh, my my mom always had a phrase uh, and and she said it to me when I was little and then when I got started playing football a lot of, a lot of coaches start saying keep it simple, just keep it simple, stupid. That's all. Just, all you got to do is not overthink a lot of things in life and you'll be okay. You'll be okay from there. Sports are back and old timers are back. Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. are stepping out of retirement for an eight-round exhibition. The Tyson-Jones fight will be an exhibition bout with bigger gloves, perhaps 12 ounces. They met with Andy Foster of CSAC on Zoom recently. They aren't going to try to go for KOs. September 12th, Dignity Health Sports Park is the venue. Fellas, please tell me. Is it possible for there to be a winner out of this fight? Or is this one of those lose-lose situations? And are we excited to hear Tyson getting back in the room? Are we excited to hear Roy Jones Jr. get back in the ring? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> All right, let's, let's uh, break down that question. We compartmentalize that. One, we can see winners out of this. The right. last time we saw both of these men, they were in pretty bad shape. I we mean, would I'm, I'm like not, to no, think... No, no, no. We we would like to think that they've they've got back into at least somewhat boxing shape of when they were fighting professionally, and I think if we watch this fight and we see some semblance of what they were in their primes, that's a win for both of them. Mm-hmm. Last time we saw Mike, he was overweight. He had the face tattoo. He did not look good. We've seen him working out. We've seen him. He got the muscles back. We've seen the hand speed. Last time we seen Roy Jones, he was getting knocked out by. Hey, dude, outside, bro, you want to fight Roy Jones real quick? And Roy Jones was taking the L. So I think that if we see either one of these men and they look remotely healthy, that's already a W. On top of that, we see what Mike can do, bro. I honestly don't think it's a good look for Roy Jones, even though Roy Jones is younger. He got more mileage on his body. And Mike's situation was never a situation of he's washed. It was a situation of this dude is spiraling out of control and he needs help. He was never washed. He just was in mm-hmm. a, he was just in wrong situations. So if he's in shape again, I think he gonna put the hands on Roy Jones and it's a W. And if it looks like a close fight or if Roy Jones wins somehow, it's also a W for Roy Jones. So I honestly think it's a lot of wins that could, the only way it will be an L, even if we see a two fifty year olds fight, is if they come out and it looks like two fifty year olds fight. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like it looked like Uncle Elroy and Uncle Lamar done messed around and got to fighting over the last habanero wing. Uh, so somebody done, done got the skin too dark on the, on the glizzies, man, and now it's oh, a fight no. at the barbecue. 
Oh, not the barbecue fight, Chris. <laughs> Chris, is there is this a lose lose situation? Is there a possible winner? Do you want to see this? What's going on? I do not want to see old men fight. No, I do not. I don't <laughs> want to see old men fight. What, speaking of barbecue, what happened to players just finding a business plan and executing like a George Foreman plan or something after boxing? Like, why they got to do this because they need some money? <laughs> like, they just need some money. I mean, hey, listen. Here's so okay. So, there are a few thoughts. And, and I'm going to tell you, my first thought after seeing the immediate reactions, people are not fully paying attention to the context of this fight. Because for me, context always matters. Context will always matter in almost everything in life. Context has been lost, but yeah. If Mike Tyson in his prime fights Roy Jones Jr. in his prime, I don't think that's a good fight. I think Roy Jones Jr., probably one of the more slippery boxers in the history of the sport when he was focused and locked in before he started trying to be a rapper and all this and that. <laughs> but but if Mike catches with that overhand right, it's night, night. You're going to sleep. We will see you tomorrow, buddy. And that's just the honest. We haven't seen power like what Mike had uh, probably ever. But... Like you said, Mike was spiraling out of control. He got really heavy. He hasn't fought in 12 years, I want to say. And it, it, I may be off a little bit on that. When was the last time Mike Tyson fought? Do either one of y'all know? Uh, I got a fact check. I believe it was 2006, which is, I don't even remember that happening. I thought it was before that. but So either way, he's he's been out of the game for 14, somewhere between 12 and 14 years. Okay. Um, at the end of the day, Roy Jones has still been going. His So his last fight was in 2005. He's been out the game for 15 years. Okay. Roy Jones Jr. last fight was two years ago. Huh. Like, it, it's... I'm just saying... Listen, man, I'm the, not paying for this. I'm not watching it. I'm going to watch the highlights on people's Snapchat, Instagram stories. You know, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. And, and here's, here's, here's another aspect for me. Here's another aspect for me. Because I'm definitely not paying for pay-per-view. I'm just not oh, no. Anything. It's just... And this economy, huh, knock it off. But um, here's another aspect to this thing. If so, like, okay, they're not going for knockouts, whatever the case may be. I just don't think that Tyson can technically beat Roy Jones Jr. without, you know, hitting him with one or two that's like, oh, okay, well, Roy Jones Jr.'s out of there. That's it, folks. Right. That's the that's the because they say that the the first thing I mean the uh, last thing to go from from fighters is always the power, and we're gonna see how much he got left because the skill set and the speed and the 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 rhythm of the the ducking and dodging and the rhythm of the combinations that's always the first thing to go. So you know that that Mike Tyson was never that fighter anyway that was gonna hit you with a twelve punch combo and just have you broken down and, and, and you know that that was never his MO but you know I, I just I think that there are possible winners out of this and that if it's just entertaining right like like they, these guys are 50 don't get me wrong <laughs> but but these are still the greatest to ever do it right like like and, and and all right hear me out here let's just say that we actually did get to see Jordan versus one of the Martin twins right and, like, Jordan's super old. He's out of shape, whatever the case may be. But he puts on a little bit of a show. Right, Just a little right. bit. That's... 
it's like, well, I'm glad to see this. The person that I grew up thinking was Superman, even at 60, he ain't is at like Tim McGraw said, I ain't as good as I once was, but I'll be as good <laughs> once as I ever was. Right. Seeing him be good that once would be worth it for this, me. This is the point I'm trying to make, Chris. I know you're not interested in this at all. But he's not. He's old. Oh, no. I'm the resident wise person. I'm the resident old man. You know them old dudes that be like, man, y- y'all young brothers talking about Steph Curry and James Hart. Couldn't none of them do nothing against Isaiah Thomas. I'm becoming oh, that God. old dude that people I saw growing up, bro. It's always that question of like, do they still got it a little bit? I'm not saying this is going to be a compelling boxing fight. I'm not saying that like Mike can still. I just want to see like if this dude that I knew as a killer when I was younger, if he still got a little bit left in the tank. Like it would just be satisfying to see. It would still be satisfying to see Mike get a bucket. He don't have to be MVP level. Mike don't have to be Golden Glove champion. But I just want to see if these dudes that we consider legends can still do something at their old age. That's all I'm looking at it for. And if they look in shape, it's a W to me. If they look in shape, it's a W to me. That's all it's for. I don't think it's about to be a top-level fight. If if they continue with high-level boxing just for eight rounds... I, but you know what? We're going to stop because Chris is over it. Chris done had enough of us. The fans done had enough of us. So listen, we know y'all done had enough, but come on back next week and the week after that and the week after that. Peace and love, y'all. You had enough.